welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is episode 36. Locations include bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate. That's the website. Leave a comment. Lords of Order have Google Plus and Facebook pages. Comments welcome there as well. And the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast is the Gmail address for those of you Gmailically inclined. More Fun Comics, issue 68, the 1936 volume, or first volume, whichever you like. June 1941, cover dated, and Dr. Fate has now moved up to the first story of the anthology book, Murder in Baranga Marsh. Scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled, inked, and lettered by Howard Sherman. The story can be found in the Golden Age Dr. Fate Archives number 1 from D.C., dated 2007. And this story apparently appeared in Detective Comics, the 1937 volume, or the first volume, issue 442, dated 1974. Not sure why they were there, why it's in Detective, but that was like the previous story also. So we open with the narrator telling us, hidden in the marshes south of the Baranga River stands an old stone house. From it emanates a strange death. Against this horror, Dr. Fate is soon to pit himself, as Kent Nelson then, as that mighty modern mystery Dr. Fate. A little bit of alliteration there, I believe it's called. And so we have a gentleman here walking along the Baranga Road on a summer evening, sets foot upon a bridge, barely onto the bridge, and collapses, dead. Miles away, Kent Nelson and Enza attend a concert. And as they're watching the woman in front of Enza, her glasses spontaneously break. She says, her glasses broke, and Kent tells her, unusual, but not hard to explain, Enza. You see, sometimes a high-pitched sound does things like that. It snaps glass due to the sound wave that cannot penetrate a substance. She responds, seems I do recall something like that. Didn't a violinist do something similar? Stood on a bridge and played odd notes, and he finishes, until the bridge cracked. Exactly. Hello? As they're driving along, they are on the same bridge that the gentleman died, and he's still there. His body's laying. So Kent gets out to inspect it, sees that there is no sign of violence, no wounds or anything like that. And as he's inspecting the body, a police officer comes up and says, uh, Ran over him, eh? All right, let's have your name. But Kent Nelson gives him the uh, whammy jammy here. And he forgets, you know, he gives him, these are not the droids you're looking for kind of thing there with the uh, lightning bolt eyeballies. And the police officer acquiesces and says, funny, no marks or... And Kent Nelson spirits Inza away to the car and then jumps in the car and flies the two of them away in the car to a deserted city street where they stop and he gets out and helps her out and says, go home, wait for me there. I think we've come across a mystery. And then to a lonely Salem Tower flees Kent Nelson. Once again, the world needs Dr. Fate. And this entire time, 
Kent Nelson was wearing the yellow Dr. Fate cape. No idea why. He thought it was cool. Puts on his mask, and that's the last we see of him for a little while. We cut to the streets of Salem, where a paper boy is selling newspapers, exclaiming murders in Baranga Marshes. Both a a dude and a police officer, basically, it says. So now we have a another police officer and someone higher up, maybe a county sheriff, maybe state police, maybe military. They're talking about the dead bodies with no marks when uh, Dr. Fate comes along. And he tells them, I've brought this catalog to show you what you're up against. Watch! And then he flies away with a dead cat in his hands. He says, poor thing, but better her life than the life of one of those policemen or that soldier. So it was a soldier. And I don't think this would go over too well nowadays. I don't think it would be very popular. Kind of the, uh, you know, canary in the cage in the mine kind of thing. It's, you know, better them than me. But I know there's plenty of people that would just be having a cow (laughs) um, on uh, social medias because of this. Uh, Dr. Fate says anything, uh, or uh, excuse me, says, uh, you see, anything of flesh and blood, as soon as it steps within range of that, death strikes. And as they're discussing the uh, bridge, on the other side of the bridge, they see a car's headlights pop on, and the car leave towards town. Dr. Fate decides, well, hmm, that's kind of interesting, so I'll follow that car see where it leads, see what's up with that, if it's anything having to do with this. So he follows the car. Female gets out. Uh, We find out that her name is Nasha. As she uh, goes to her master, she says, I have come, master. Good girl, Nasha. I will tell you what to do. Follow me. He shows her a picture and says, this is, um, I don't know, either Sergei or Serge. We'll, We'll go with Sergei. Rotovich, the genius who became a citizen at the time of our revolution. Turns out these two dudes used to work together, uh, our unknown Dr. Dude and uh, Sergey. They used to be friends, they worked together, but Sergey bilked Dude out of millions of dollars of money for things that they invented together. So now he's going to use Nasha to kill Sergey through the application of this uh, technology involving sound, it turns out. He gives her a small device and says, here, this is what you'll use, and she says, I know what to do. Meanwhile, this whole time outside the house looking in a window has been Dr. Fate, I guess maybe hovering in the air, watching. He says, Sergei Roltovich, I must prevent this death. This crackpot in this place can wait until I return. So he follows the girl. Uh, the girl knows where Sergey is, is admitted to Sergey's house, uses the pretense of radio miniaturization to get the device close to Sergey. Then just as she turns it on, it blows up, and there appears Dr. Fate. He said, or excuse me, he says, it blew up, and I did it. Sergey Rotovich, you were just about to be assassinated. And the girl tries to defend herself. Oh, he's lying. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, I'll kill you. And then the narrator tells us, From Dr. Fate's finger, a pencil of light stabs the gun. So I guess that is the fickle finger of fate for all you Tick fans out there. 
Go look it up. Your efforts against me are those of a child against a giant, Nasha. Yield. Um, so she does. The whole time, the master, whatever his name is, has been watching via some surveillance screen. He says, to trust a woman, to carry out a man's task. I am an idiot. I shall destroy all three of them. Once again, that probably would not be a popular sentiment nowadays. Eh, I just point that out. Not that I necessarily agree, nor care. Just kind of interesting about our current social media comic book culture. I'll send a sound wave that will blast their building apart, the master says. And sure enough, he does uh, a sound wave that hits the building and like pushes over the top portion. You see it crack on the leading edge as the top gets pushed away from the rest of the building. Dr. Fate says the hand of that madman is the cause of this. Winds of Earth listen and obey carry this folly building to safety. The narrator tells us, from the north, from the south, from the east and west, the winds blow. And it blows that broken portion of the building back into place. So Dr. Fate sets to leave, but he leaves a watch presence here in uh, Sergei's apartment. A cloud, this cloud shall protect you. All the djinn and genie in the world cannot pierce it. You shall come with me, uh, he says to Nasha, to Inza, who will take care of you. And so they fly off. He deposits Nasha at Inza's and then heads back to the master's house. Goes in. He's looking around. The master tries to kill him with a sword that drops from the ceiling, but the sword breaks against Dr. Fate's body. Um... No, he doesn't explain it here. He explains it later. Then the master puts on a helmet of lead, and he's going to release some kind of sound wave or energy wave or something that can snap a steel bar, and he shows us as a demonstration, then sets it against Dr. Strange, but his device ultimately blows up the emitter. And uh, Dr. Fate says, so that's what causes those deaths, just what I thought. And here's the man who caused them. And the professor asks him uh, who he is, Dr. Fate, of course. I invented this sound machine. With it, I could shatter steel and kill men from afar, yet it cannot harm you. Because my body is or can be comprised of pure force when I will it. No force on earth or in the air can harm pure power such as my body becomes when I so desire it. Lead or steel or fire or sound, I am immortal. And the doctor says, and I, what am I? Nothing. As nothing, I do not deserve to live. And he runs and jumps out a window in his house into the uh, river below, I guess here. And Inza, he, he uh, Dr. Fate goes to Inza's and he's standing here with his helmet off, so I guess he is Kent, actually, not Dr. Fate at the moment. She says, you mean that sound could kill? And Kent tells her, remember that lady's glasses at the concert? The same thing happened, but the madman invented a new sound system, something so powerful, the human body could not hear it and live. So, 
There is the end of the murders in Baranga Marsh. Some more thank yous to give out here. We have Andy Rowan, Jordy Griffin, Austin Jones, James Kleinhans, and Richard Snyder. Rodney Bridges, Harold Jones, and Joe Crawford. All thank you for likes on the Lords of Order Facebook page. I appreciate it muchly. Next time, we have All-Star Comics Issue 5, the first volume. See you then. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license. 